Hello. Hi, everyone. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Girl. We, we should talk, talk to someone. Podcast. Episode number six. It's Sarah. It's Leanna. And guess what? Today we have our first guest. It's me, Hannah. I'm so excited. I'm really, really pumped to be here. So Hannah and I have known each other since we were 11 or 12. In grade seven, we met and we've been like, we were sort of friends then, but really not until like really the end of high school did we become like inseparable best friends. Um, I can't believe when you said that we've known each other for that long, because like that seems like such a crazy amount of time. How great are you when you're 11 years old? Grade seven. Oh, grade seven. Wow. And like to the point where I remember like when Hannah was given bracelets by like a, a boy in grade seven that had a crush on her. Like, we friends, but like we were also like, we were friends, but we weren't close yeah. friends. But yeah, no, me and Hannah have been like very close for a long time now and Hannah and Leanna are also friends by association now. Association. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best. Thank God. So Hannah, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, so I am 25 and I'm from Toronto. I was born here, grew up here my whole life. Uh, I'm an actress. Most of the time I'm a struggling actress, but <laughs> I really love it. So it's totally fine. My like one fact about myself when everyone's like, what's something interesting about you is that I'm allergic to the sun. I feel like Sarah could have guessed that I was probably going to say that. Um, But yeah, that's like my fun fact that I bring out at like, you know, if you're in a work meeting and they're like, we're going to go around the room and you're like, what am I going to say? Well, what happens when you're allergic to the sun? (laughs) Like I'm also, I get burnt really easily if I'm not allergic to the sun. Yeah. I feel like people think I'm saying that I get a bad burn, but I break out in like pus filled hives all over my body. It sounds really fun. Do you have yeah. like, really a different sunscreen or normal sunscreen? <laughs> <laughs> like sunscreen, it's like doesn't, I guess it helps me not get burned, but it won't affect the reaction. Oh, that's so interesting. I've never known anyone who's allergic to the sun. I've never met anyone in my life like Hannah and the fact that she's allergic to the sun, but also like allergic and like intolerant to so many little different things too. Like everything that a person could have, like Hannah, Hannah was blessed with all those things. Yeah, that's why like when I read labels and it's like this might happen to one person, I'm like, that's me. So watch out. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, so as we usually do, we'll go into our little intro and updates. So let's share each a thing that we learned since either recording the last episode or Hannah, something you want to share you learned in the last couple weeks. I don't know what to say. Who wants to go first? (laughs) As you can tell, we don't prepare for the episodes. Uh, Okay, wait. Okay, something that I learned in the past week is that... If I'm like really, really tired and don't want to go somewhere or do something, it's actually best just to cancel and not do it because I go and I'm super resentful and I'm not like present in the moment and I just like think about going home. So it's better just to be like, hey, can we reschedule? I feel like it's hard now too because with COVID and being quarantined, for us to go out and be social, I find takes so much out of me that like I'm craving that alone time. And it's like, it's not normal. Like I'm just so used to being alone now yeah. that when I'm not, I'm like exhausted. 
I think our social batteries are like are, so small are small now and I think they were probably the same before it's just that we didn't pay that much attention yeah to it. yeah yeah um I'm trying to think um the thing that I learned in the last week um was that I really enjoy walking and for a long time, this may maybe trickles into some of the things we'll talk about in the episode. For a long time, I didn't think walking was enough exercise. I thought it was like what old people do when you can't run or can't do something. But I recently got into walking lately and like walking like 5k or like doing a nice awesome. long walk. Yeah. And it feels so good. And I like have stopped thinking about it in the way that it's just like, sort of not enough. And it feels really good. That's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice. It's such like a stress reliever. It yeah. is. Yeah. I love walking too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. I think I learned ooh, the importance of disconnecting from work. Oh yeah. Because this week I was off for the full week because I moved and I didn't once check my email, which even when I'm on vacation, I kind of always check my email yeah. and I check Slack, which is like, okay. Yeah. A couple of coworkers called me for questions, but I didn't like go through my emails to see what was happening. Like I fully was like, I have no clue what's happening in the office and I don't care. I'll worry about it next week. Yeah. And it was so nice. I felt so relaxed. So I'm going to try to bring that into going back to work, like taking those like 20 minutes during the day just to like close the computer, yeah. close my phone and mm-hmm. not think about work because it helps so much with your mental health during the day. And it does. And yeah. even when you walk, like I'm often tempted, like I'm on a walk and I'm like, oh, I got an email. Check my I should check it. and respond. It's like, no, wait. We can wait till you get back to your desk. Yeah. Okay. Let's share our rose and thorns now. So the rose and thorn is like the best thing that happened to you in the last week. And then the thorn would be like, it could be the worst or just something that wasn't so great that happened to you. Um, I think my rose would be that I got to spend a little bit time with my parents. My dad just got knee surgery. And while it was kind of like, not resenting I was sort of just like worried about like how we would be like taking care of them and what it would look like actually been like kind of nice to like be home and like have dinner with my parents and Mm -hmm. just like hanging out with my dad during the day while I work from home and the thorn would be sort of the same but like realizing that what it was like to live at home and the freedom now that I don't live at home that I have living away from home so it's like it sort of like goes hand in hand. It's like lovely to spend time with my parents, but at the same time, I'm like, wow, I really like, I don't miss living full time here. Mm-hmm. Like I like the separation. I like the space that I have at my own place. And um, it sort of just like give me a good perspective of that. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Hannah, you go next. <laughs> um, my rose would be, I finished the Queen's Gambit, that oh Netflix God. show. I am and so- I, It was so good. The last two episodes also just made me feel so good. Yeah. And I I was a little worried. I was like, is this going to have a tragic ending? Like, I don't want to give it away for anyone, but there's like addiction and stuff in it. And I was like, is this going to have a tragic ending? But it's such a good I need to watch this. I watched it twice. It's, oh my gosh. It's, that's, I understand. It's so good. Um, So yeah, I finished that. So that was, I guess, like a rose and a thorn because I'm a little sad, but (laughs) my thorn would be I have like a habit like every three or four nights of good sleep I wake up at like 2 30 or 3 30 and I'm just like up so I had yeah I just like had one of those this week and I was like here it is (laughs) (laughs) 
okay. So Rose, I guess moving is like a rose. It's a new place, new start. Yeah. I love the new, like having windows like all around me and just bigger Guys, space. Leanna moved to literally the most beautiful condo. <laughs> like it is stunning. That, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I'm happy. Like I love, I have the water, I have the sunset. So that was like that first week of like seeing that. It's been so nice. Yeah. Thorn would also be moving because yeah. like all week I haven't slept. So I guess it's just like you're adjusting to a new place. I haven't cooked. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been mm-hmm. the new cook yet. I have been uh, just cleaning and trying to get rid of all the evidence of the person before me. <laughs> you guys <laughs> 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 I find these like little like things I'm like, oh that was for that person. Let me get rid of this. Like what like I'm like their blood on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I'm like so curious what the evidence is. I want like I want to that should be a whole podcast. <laughs> it's just like little hairs and like stains. I don't know. Like I have tears going, but I'm really big on cleaning. So. Yeah, that's true. So for me, it's like I wanted to be as brand new as possible. I really wanted to get a brand new place, but it was kind of hard to find one. So that it feels going. brand new in here. I'll say that. I've, I've cleaned it. I've had two professional cleaners, plus my mom, plus me now. Wow. So it's immaculate. It's it's getting there. It's not there yet, but. <laughs> There's different, I guess, definitions of clean. (laughs) Okay, so without further ado, let's get into our episode. This week, we decided to focus on body image. So before we start, I'll just start with like a brief introduction to what body image is. I'm sure we all know what it is, but it's nice to just set the tone at the beginning. Um, So this is a, a definition I got from the National Eating Disorder website. So body image is how you see yourself when you look in the mirror or when you look at a picture of yourself. It's how you see yourself in your mind as well. It encompasses what you believe about you and your appearance, including memories, assumptions, and generalizations. It also means something about how you feel about your body, including the height, the shape, and the weight of your body. And also it's about how you sense and control your body as you move, how you physically experience or feel yourself in your body. Um, And many of us will internalize a bunch of those things that I just mentioned. Um, And often this body image idea starts at a really young age and can lead to, from what we all know, I'm sure positive and negative experiences. Um, So without further ado, I'll ask Hannah to do sort of a disclaimer before we dive into topics and also talk about a little bit of the body positivity movement. Yeah, so just after that's been introduced, I think it's worth mentioning that there's a bit of a trigger warning on this episode. So we're going to be talking about weight, numbers, food, uh, things that trigger us personally when it comes to our body image. So If you're hearing any of that stuff and you're thinking that this might not be the podcast for you, then you should come back to Girl. We should talk to someone for another uh, podcast or look back at one of the older ones and just just skip this one if you're feeling that it might affect your mental health. So, uh, and also we're not professionals. Uh, We don't have a background. This is just our own personal experience. Uh, So with that said, I just wanted to to just like take a moment to recognize where the body positivity movement started before we jump in. Um, So the movement was started by fat black activist women in the 1960s as a response to white society's fear and oppression of black women. So fat phobia is actually deeply rooted in racism, but a lot of people don't realize where the movement started because it's been mainly taken over by white, able-bodied cis women. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I think before we dive in, it's really important to acknowledge that we do some, we do so coming from a place of white privilege. Yeah, exactly. And that before we go further, it's also important to realize that there are some women that we should be looking up to and following women like Stephanie Yeboa, who actually started in conversation with before people like Jamila Jamil. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that before I looked into it. There are also influencers you can follow on Instagram, like Simone Mariposa, Danny with Love, and Enamasiyama. So following these women is really important uh, as we dive into the body positivity movement. Yay. Thank you, Hannah. Um, that's sort of one of the main reasons we brought you on this week as our first guest, because I know me and you speak about this kind of stuff almost on an everyday basis, like sharing either posts we see or just experiences we have. Um, and we know that while this affects everyone um, and arguably more women, just because of some of the oppressions that we've, we've faced, um, it has affected all three of us in many different ways. Yeah. So we're interested to hear all of our insights on some of the stuff. Um, but maybe it's good to start the history of sort of where body image started, um, including like when we started looking at women's bodies and how it's changed. And how it's changed. What, what was ideal then and, and how it's sort of yeah. come full circle to where we are now. Yeah, I find it so interesting how the expectations of women's body has changed so much over the years decades mm -hmm. really like yeah. when you go back to like prehistoric times there's there's a sculpture called the venus of willendorf which is one of the first female representations known to the world and the sculpture of a woman is she's she's plump she yeah. has like large breasts she's just her shape is very what you would not expect and that's the first view of women back then and how they saw women and that it's so interesting because that's obviously the opposite of what we know now mm -hmm. and yeah. When you go to like ancient Greece, like women were meant to be curvy and have hips and have like a top breast as well. They used to, if you know, all the old like figurines and sculptures of Greek um, goddesses, they have an S curve. So they have them shaped in a way that emphasizes their hips and their breasts, which is super interesting. Which is sort of how we look at things now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like they want them to turn a certain way to show that they have mm -hmm. hips. They don't want to hide that. So the good angles. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> now we have like Kim K that we look up to and she's yeah. very much like, you know, you emphasize the hips. Exactly. Yeah. And you emphasize the breasts and you have the like broad shoulders. Mm -hmm. Like that's what they wanted to show in the Greek, ancient Greece. Hmm. And you got to like the 1800s. It was like the tiny, tiny corset and that huge overskirt, like, mm -hmm all the queens like they had they wanted to have a huge butt that's what the course the big skirt was meant to show it's yeah. like that big bosom that's what they called it like you couldn't breathe like so many women had yeah. issues back then as well like if you ever read like history books about that it's like messy. well yeah imagine you're like literally squeezed into something all day yeah and like your body naturally expands when you eat and when yeah. you drink water or whatever your or bones are messed up by then like your spine's really messed up but they had a good posture because they couldn't move <laughs> oh god and not, not worth it not worth it <laughs> so worth it and then like the 1920s i guess that's like the flap rage mm -hmm. the slender like very skinny. slender like no curves no breasts like lots just... of smoking a lot of yeah. women smoke to stay sent Okay, then you go to the 1950s, there's Marilyn Monroe, and I think during that time, they also had um, Audrey Hepburn, who's like super thin, so Marilyn Monroe was like one of the celebrities that was all about being curvy and like not being super thin. Mm -hmm. so but she, even she got a lot of backlash sometimes too yeah. for being like too curvy and yeah, stuff so like that. 
it's very true. Like in a lot of her model shoots, like she would emphasize her butt, and people would make comments about that as well because she had, she had a butt. Mm-hmm. So there was it was there. <laughs> I saw an ad. It was like something from an old school magazine, and it was not Marilyn Monroe, but someone with a very similar physique on the mm-hmm. ad, and it, it was saying like, "Are you too skinny?" And it was advertising pills that you would take to gain weight so that you could oh, look more wow. from that time period from around that time period yeah. oh interesting because they want to probably gain weight in the right spots though which is also unachievable yes that's another story yeah because yeah. i think that's also like if you skip over to like the 2000s now like the, with the kim kardashians like it's all about having the big butts the big breasts and the really tiny tiny waist the but, slim thick body yeah, yeah but how that's not achievable for most women's bodies like that's so they have all waist trainers for that reason to do that because mm-hmm. it's not natural always to be like that i know a lot of personal trainers find it really frustrating too because people come and be like i want to lose weight here and they're like you can't yeah. spot reduce like we can't yeah. be like we're gonna take some from your tummy and put it to your butt like it's just yeah not gonna work without surgery yeah yeah exactly unless you're like going under the knife like that doesn't happen yeah 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 Yeah, it's just crazy how much it's changed like and I I think it all came from that like really patriarchal male gaze and it's always like what does a man think is best for a woman to look like and unfortunately culture and society just kind of follows suit with that those people that look that way become popular they become idolized for their bodies so even back like when we knew kate moss in the 90s was doing cocaine not eating obviously had some sort of an eating disorder she was so thin but that was not how ideal right like Mm -hmm. that was what people looked for to replicate because that was what was considered beautiful yeah even now I find it because we have so many different body types out there now like with celebrities even though I know that there's the Kim Kardashians there's the Kate Moss I still kind of get confused with like which one is idolized like do I actually idolize the Kim K body or do I idolize the more thin like it's hard to like because there's so much out there now and I don't know yeah like, I know put yourself in that it's hard to place yourself but then you, sh- you shouldn't really at the same time yeah I'm, I'm the thing I'm liking now I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later in sort of like social media side is like I'm finally seeing people on social media that kind of look like me yeah that don't have that like either extremely curvy sort of ideal like hourglass and aren't also not like the Bella Hadid like Gigi Hadid very thin yeah I see people more that mid-range size where that's sort of where I am and I'm kind of seeing that for the first time in people that are quote-unquote celebrities yeah I think that that's like a good time to bring up to you how like the body positivity movement isn't just for you know uh fat women or skinny women or middle it's for anyone and Mm -hmm. it's for men and women so it's like people I think I used to have the misconception that you know the body positivity movement I couldn't struggle with my body image if I was average size right people would be like why are you saying that or like come on, you're being ridiculous. But I think you also feel a little bit gaslit when people are like, you're being ridiculous. Cause I'm like, well, I'm not. Cause look at what I'm seeing on TV. Or it's those same people that would be like, eat a burger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how could you feel that way? Like you're like stereotypically like a normal sized woman. You're like a, a small sized woman. Like how could you feel like, and like, look at these people and imagine what they feel. But I always say to people like that, something that I, I think I learned this from Brene Brown, it's like, there isn't like 
a certain amount of suffering in the world and only some people can have it. Everyone can yeah. suffer. There isn't like a pie chart and people that are in fat bodies take up 50% of the suffering. And like everyone can suffer in their own way. Um, and you, it's not relative to each other's suffering. Mm-hmm. Oh, and as another uh, point, because I didn't know this until I started kind of looking into this topic a bit more, we're going to use the word fat. Mm-hmm. And it's actually an important word to use because fat activists, are reclaiming the word, a word that's been used so often to like demean and demoralize. They're, they're taking it back and they're using it as a positive thing and a way to talk about bodies because fat is a way to describe a body. And by putting a negative connotation on it, you're making it, you're, you're inferring that fat is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because even though it's reclaimed, like to me, internally it's triggering. Right, right, right. It does sound like automatically, I'm like, I would never call someone fat. Like, I would always say oversize, over, like, you say something. And then you say that a lot, you're like, wait, what's the difference though? Yeah, there's no difference. I'm still saying the same yeah. thing. But the word fat is like, you feel so. It's attached with like really bad yeah. emotions. I think like, growing up though, like, we're from a generation that we were, kind of, we didn't really have social media growing up. Mm-hmm. So we threw around the word fat and it was always a bad thing. Like, you say, oh, mm-hmm. these oh, you look fat today. Like that was always negative to us. So we're kind of part of the generation that has to change our way of thinking because it's no longer negative now, but we're so used to it. Yeah. I think it's like sort of a personal journey for everyone. Like I know, like I could talk to my boyfriend about it and I'm sure that word like doesn't trigger a single bone in his body. Like for me, I go into like red alert, like reactive mode, like whenever I like hear that word for anyone like myself, but I, or even friends, but like, I have to think about it now in, in a different way. It's like, you know, it's just a descriptor word of someone yeah. that yeah. has fat on their bodies or we all have fat on our bodies though. That's the same thing. It's like, yeah. It's just, a, it's attached with so much negativity yeah. in my mind still. And it's really something I have to work on. Yeah. I feel the same way. If someone called me fat, I would be like, I don't know if we can swear on girl, you should talk to someone, but I would tell them to F off. <laughs> <laughs> And like, even when you say that, it's interesting because like immediately I go into like guard dog mode and I'm like, oh my God, someone called Hannah fat? Like, what the fuck? like she's not fat, like not fat at all. And, but like, that's not, that's, but that's coming from like the teachings of everyone around us. Thinking yeah. that fat is bad. Being fat right. is, is better than anything else. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm thinking of someone listening to this that is fat and we're talking about this so freely about how negatively we'd feel and it's like, God, that would be so triggering. Yeah. yeah. And I've spent most of my life like avoiding being fat. And it's really been a, a ride. Like mm-hmm. I still think about that all the time. It's, well, it's that's, that's actually for a little more context too. That's how me and Sarah's relationship like really blossomed because You know, we sat down. I still remember the day I went to Sarah's old place when she was living downtown and we went to a park near her house and we like sat down on the grass and it was like the first time I feel like we really admitted to each other how we were feeling about our bodies, which just like not great. You know, we were like, we, we feel like we have to look a certain way, work out a certain amount and eat a certain way and if we don't then we're we're less than mm-hmm. exactly yeah 
that and that sort of like opened up a door in our friendship to be like wow okay I'm not alone and also if you feel this way imagine how many other people yeah. are feeling the exact same way that's the thing I think talking about it more just normalizes it more because I feel like all of us like we've all internalized our own issues and it's so much you feel almost strange talking to someone else about your own personal body image issues because you know they also have their own but it's it's a battle we'll always have I mean I think it's always an internal struggle and it's good to just talk to people about it and like not even have their opinion just say it out loud yeah and oftentimes saying it out loud hearing yourself say like like hearing yeah. myself say I, I've lived my whole life avoiding being fat it's like what like why why yeah. is that such a strong narrative in my life like why does that underscore everything I do yeah I mean, I think that that like just harkens back to so many big questions around women and like, you know, the whole notion of how much time do we spend thinking about food, thinking about thinness and thinking about our appearance. So much. I, too much. Yeah, I think appearance too, like I want to touch on this a little bit more, like body image also comes with like your facial appearance and like how mm -hmm. you see beauty. Mm -hmm. That's another big, that's a big trigger for me is like having that perfect skin, always looking put together. Mm -hmm. I struggle with that a lot and seeing like Instagram, I think it's, it's so much worse now that I'm older because I'm on Instagram and everyone looks picture perfect. Of course. Yeah. And, and even when they have the no makeup makeup look, they look beautiful and like and it looks like but, they're not wearing makeup it's like and it's like the lighting probably is helping that you can't see any like acne well, or they're wearing it. they're wearing a ton of makeup they're wearing they're wearing a ton of makeup and like I don't look like that without makeup so what's I'm now what's less, wrong with me like yeah. I'm less than everyone else and because of I'm not that perfect looking yeah and that's a big that's something that a lot of women I think struggle with too when it comes to body images that women have to have like that pink rosy cheeks the beautiful eyebrows the like yeah plump lips with a little bit of tint in it it's like you don't get that without doing something to yourself it's sort of like that idea like you need to try enough so you put together but as soon as you go over the scale of like trying too hard yeah and then you're villainized like you're yeah. villainized for not trying enough but then there's this really sweet spot that yeah. every woman tries or we've told we need to get to where it's like you look put together, but you're not, it's almost seems so natural yeah. that it just seems to, to kind of happen naturally. Meanwhile, it's like makeup, cosmetics, like surgery, yeah. like all these different things that go into it. Exactly. And Leanna, to, like, to help with that, do you find yourself, you know, going through Instagram sometimes and doing purges where you kind of just get rid of certain people's profiles or you block people that you find triggering for you? Yeah, lately I've been seeing, one thing I've been finding that helps me is that people are, a lot of people are normalizing acne on Instagram. So I've been seeing a lot of influencers actually showing their real skin. Mm -hmm. So I find when I'm in that state of mind where I'm like, I don't look perfect, my skin's not the best today. Then I, if I go on Instagram, I see all those perfect models, but then I have a few people I follow. Or I just go to my main feed and find like skin accounts even just like talking about real skin and real issues. And I'm like, oh, it's not just me who has hyperpigmentation. It's not just me who has post pimple redness or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also therapy helps. <laughs> I struggle. I like I'm not kidding. Like, I struggle a lot. I, I have body dysmorphia when it comes to my physical face and my appearance. So my view of myself is not what people see probably. Mm -hmm. So I have to also write like inspirational messages to myself, like constantly read quotes that remind me that it's okay to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. Is that something that's so inachievable 
Yeah. Yeah. And you'll like it's perfection. Not only can it not be reached, but you'll live your whole life in that pursuit. And even when yeah. it feels like, okay, once I get to this point, once you get there, it's not going to be enough. Exactly. Yeah. No, I never, even my skin is a great skin week and I have nothing on it. I'm just constantly looking for something wrong. That's, I'm always right. out that imperfection because it's so, it's almost, it's confusing. Like I got like, I, it's a whole constant struggle for me, mm-hmm. but you just, I have to look perfect all the time. And then I'm not, it's like I'm failing. And then even if I am looking perfect, I don't think I am. So you're constantly looking for, I don't even know what you're looking for, to be honest. Yeah. It's just like, I'm, it's an unachievable, like picture perfect Instagram face 24 seven in person, which mm-hmm. is not possible. Mm-hmm. I guess that is the big question. Like, what are we looking for? Because I think you really touched on something there. It's never enough, right? So it's the same thing for weight. Like I might weigh myself and be like, if I was five pounds less, that would be super awesome. And I would feel really good. And then let's say you get five pounds less. I feel like it's always another two pounds. Yeah. It's, It's never, you're at a set and when I say never, and I'm talking like this, I mean, for me, it might be different for you, yeah. 100% different journey. But, you know, when I get there, I'm looking for something else. So like, I feel like it's got to be a lot more about like my pursuit to like people please and fit in as, as opposed to what I care about how I look. Like, I feel like I'm like, you look fine. You look totally, (laughs) totally fine. So there's just no need to be constantly searching for more intellectually. And then physically, I'm like, girl, you need to work, you need to work on something. (laughs) I actually watched a good, I think it was a TikTok video. And it was a girl saying that at the beginning of quarantine, she didn't like, um, see like anyone, like all, most of us were just at home, whatever. And she got really used to how she looked naturally, like no makeup, just hair in a bun, like wearing like pajamas. And she was like, Oh, I'm super cute. Like th- I've got this. And then she like, finally, when things sort of loosened up in the summer, she saw a few friends, they might like go for dinner. And like, she saw her friends had like their hair done. They had like a tan, they had like nice makeup on. And she went home and she immediately was like, okay, I need to do self tanner. I need to go get my hair done. And then she kind of paused and was like, wait, I did not feel this way before I saw my friends. So obviously I'm, I'm just comparing myself to people yeah, that's seeing the them do something. Okay. I need to do that now. Yeah. I'm not enough because look, they've done this and this, and I haven't done that yet. It's so true. But I also love makeup and stuff too. Like, it's like, you can have the one thing and be body positive and skin positive and everything, but you can also like makeup and want to get dressed up and also be those things. So it's like, it's hard to navigate. Yeah, it's so hard. And I often, I think a lot of people are still in that mindset of, oh, you're wearing makeup because you don't like how you look or because you want to change because you're unhappy. And for a lot of people now, it's actually like a more of like an artistic expression. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to do this because I love the way like the winged eye eyeliner looks and I like to play around with like colorful eyeshadows or like lip colors and when you take it off you might feel just as beautiful but it's it's more of like a performative thing mm-hmm. that's interesting actually just to bring this up with my own experience so when I think about putting makeup on for me it's such a for the longest time I've been a lot better now it's a negative thing for me because I think makeup is hiding myself and I think I have to put makeup on because I have to hide myself therefore I'm not perfect I'm not like you should not you shouldn't have to wear makeup yeah Yeah. so like one of the things I talk about my therapist is she's making me like go out with makeup on when I'm just like doing nothing 
But like, I would never do that typically. She's making you wear makeup? Yeah, I think it's, it's normalizing oh, wearing makeup at home because cool. we're not having the best, like, if I'm a little bit red here, like patchy, then I get so depressed. So she's like, so put makeup on, like, yeah. just cover it up. And I'm like, no, like, that's horrible. Why would I do that? That I'm hiding myself, that I'm trying to hide from everyone else. I'm mm -hmm. basically lying to myself. I'm lying to people I'm looking at. Like, that's what my dysmorphia is telling me. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, like, makeup is there to just make you feel better sometimes. It's not a bad thing to wear no. makeup at all. So if you want to wear foundation that's thick, do it. If it makes your skin feel good and you feel good, then do it. But it shouldn't always be a negative thing, which I think, like you said, like, it used to be always, like, you had to cover up stuff with makeup. But it yeah. can be fun and just like a confidence booster. Totally, totally. Um, I think it'd be cool if we shared a story when we realized, like, how much importance the Western world put on our bodies. Like I'd be interested to know when you guys became aware of your bodies. Cause I know I have like the moment that it happened. Okay. Why don't you share your story? <laughs> so I won't say his name. Sarah will know who this is because we went to school with him. But when I was in grade seven, I remember before this, like I was just like privileged and blessed and did not notice my body or think about body or weight or really what I looked like at all. My picture is going to attribute that, that like I was honestly a mess, my hair, everything was a mess, but I was so happy. Um, growing up, I never thought about it. And then in grade seven, there was a boy in class and him and all the other boys in the class were making fun of this girl. And they were making fun of like, I can't really remember. They were making fun of like how high she had rolled her skirt and like her thighs were touching. Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. And I remember actually like turning around and being like, that's really mean. And they, the guy looked at me and said, you don't have to worry about that because you're skinny. This was like before I had gone through puberty or anything like that. So I hadn't gained the weight that I did in grade eight, you know, when I was like, you know, then really aware. But I remember I went home that day and I took off all my clothes and I looked in the mirror and I was like, this is skinny. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And before that, like, screw I'm that guy. I had no fucking idea. So you have to tell me that after. I'll, I'll tell you who it is. But I was like, before that, blissfully unaware, just whatever. And then after that, I was like, <laughs> so this is like, this is how you don't get made fun of. Yeah. This is attractive. Good side of things. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like, I can like roll my skirt. Because and people are noticing. Mm -hmm. Like, if you didn't look whatever way that boy wanted you to look, they would notice. Yeah, totally. And they, they would talk about it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good story. Do you have a story? Yeah, mine's similar kind of, but it has to do, like, I was also very unaware of what a woman's body was idolized. I guess a girl's. I was a girl back then. Like, I was in elementary yeah. school, high school. So I've always, like, when I was younger, I was, I would say I was pretty skinny. Like, I didn't have any, I didn't go through pretty eyes. I didn't fill up my hips. Like, I always had that shape to my hips, but it wasn't filled out yet. But I always still had. Sorry, I'm just like imagining you as like a three year old with like an hourglass. Oh my God, Sarah. I've always had the hips, but they weren't filled out. <laughs> now, 
but I always had a butt. Okay, like, yeah. I swear to God, everything I ate went to my butt. Like, wow. Kids. Now it's more some good like, genetics spread out. <laughs> but when you're like in grade eight, like no one's looking at your ass. Like I don't know. Like that's not a thing back then. So I always felt so awkward because people would call up my butt, and mm-hmm. I'd be like so embarrassed. Like they would call it out maybe. In a- I don't know if it was positive or negative. They would say like, "Oh, you have a big butt. Like you have a big butt. You have a fat ass." Uh, and I would, <laughs> and I would, but they would say that it's good. But I would be so embarrassed. I never had to wear loose stuff to hide my butt. I would always wear like long t-shirts. Yeah. And then I remember in high school, like a few guys would like whistle at it and call, and one person hit it and slapped it, and I was so embarrassed. Oh my god! Because oh my I was god. just like, what the hell? Like I hated my body for so long, so I was like, this is not a good thing. Like I don't want this. People much. are noticing it. So yeah, yeah, people are seeing it, and I would get like calls on this. Like people are calling out my butt specifically, so like that's embarrassing and like awkward and uncomfortable. Then I think is when. I went to like university in first year and you guys also pointed out my butt, but you guys were like making it very positive and like, wow, like that's like, just like, we love, love your, it. Yeah. Love, it's mm-hmm. a good thing. Like it's a nice aspect of your body. <laughs> like, body positivity. It's no. a nice aspect. <laughs> <laughs> For the longest time I was just so embarrassed by it and I wanted to hide it. Then I was like, oh, okay. So like maybe it's actually a good thing. Like I can't change it because it's not going to go away. How do you feel about it now? It's just getting bigger every year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't even think about it now. Yeah. It's actually not even like something I look at that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure my butt looks this way. Like I really just don't, I don't worry about it. Sometimes when I, when I wear light jeans, I get a little self-conscious. Like, right. light, like, like it's highlighted yeah like light wash jeans make everything look bigger so like I get like embarrassed I want to wear like something long but like not embarrassed I just like don't want the attention okay it. I don't okay. know I'm still like <laughs> but yeah that was the first time when I realized my own body and what it had on it I don't know it's interesting like both um, I'm gonna share my story too but both of your stories sort of came from like someone else's comment about someone else's body or your own body mm-hmm. to, yeah instead of like oh I might have like a bigger bum than everyone else I know. I'm looking at it and I'm determining that it's good or bad or yeah. I'm, my thighs look like this. Do I like them? It was like, what are other people telling me about my body? And yeah. then, okay, I'm going to internalize all of that and use that as a way to judge myself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I had like literally the exact same experiences, but maybe a little different. Um, yeah, same. I was like blissfully like awkward and unaware of my body, <laughs> and, like obnoxious. Not much has changed. I just like no one to tone it down now. But um, <laughs> I remember like it's sort of a two parter. So like in grade five, six, I remember going to a new school and there were like cute boys there. Like I don't really know how to explain it. Maybe it was also just like a time where I started noticing boys. Yeah. And there was girls in my class that looked like skinnier than me. Like I could see that we looked different. Um, and they like did their hair nice for school. They had like nice, like Abercrombie outfits for school and the boys liked them. They always liked those girls that looked like that. And I knew I didn't look like that. And so that was when I realized, okay, like either boys are just not going to like me because I don't look like that, or I need to change myself to look like that for boys to like me. That's part one. Part two would be like about five years ago, six years ago. What what year is it? 2020? Okay, maybe like four, yeah, four years ago. I told myself, I'm like, I'm gonna lose 15 pounds. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm gonna eat better, I'm gonna get one of those dieting apps. And 
I did. I lost more than 15 pounds in a very short period of time and it was very unhealthy and it was a borderline eating disorder. And then I noticed at that time when I was at my thinnest of all time, that that male attention that I thought I had to look skinnier for was there. And so it just asserted all of those things that I, that I learned as like a young preteen. Um, and I, I, from there realized like, wow, like not only were my biggest fears confirmed, um, now I can't look any different than how I look now because I can't live without this positive attention from everyone around me. Obviously, I still, I don't look that, that anymore. I have gained weight since then, but um, yeah. And it's been a really good journey from that point to where I am now, which is the positive part of it. But yeah, that sort of narrative has followed me. Do you know what's so interesting though? What we put as the pinnacle is so fickle because if you go back and look at what Leanna was talking about when we went through like in prehistoric times, ancient Greece, mid 1920s, it changes every single era. And it honestly, to me, at least I'm curious to see what you think it is, but to me, it just seems whatever is popular in pop culture and in the media that becomes what is like most attractive and put on a pedestal. And then that's what people strive to achieve, but it's just going to change again and again and again. But it's like, we feed met young boys and girls from a very young age, what they should find attractive. And then that's what they seek out as they grow up. And it's just, it's, it's sad because yeah, you're never going to be, you know, always, always the flavor of the week. Like you can't be Kim K one week and Kate Moss another week. Like it just isn't going to work. And there'll be people like, if you do look like Kim K, there'll be people that say you're too big or you're too small. Yeah. Like no matter what you are, there'll be people that judge you for being more or less than what they think you should be. So I've really learned that it has to come from an internal like yeah. view of myself from from me and like, removing all those external things, which is very hard to do. It's very hard because like we were saying before, like it's never enough. Like I struggle with that a lot. Like I'm like, okay, I look great this week, but then there has to be something wrong. Like I'm just constantly trying to find something wrong. So, but that's a notion to now, okay, I have to work on myself to get to the point where I think I'm okay with how I currently am because- yeah it's not normal for yourself to constantly think that way about yourself on a daily basis. It's just not healthy. And I think it comes from like the like cosmetic beauty industry where they're constantly selling you things like, Oh, your under eyes are too dark. Okay. Try this under eye cream. Try this new makeup or this new like skincare technology. That's going to make you look younger or better. And it's like, when did that start? Like when did companies just like decide that that's how we're going to market to women by like making them feel insecure about who they are. Or do you remember, like, Tammy, you can probably relate to this because we're both really pale. But, like, remember when everyone was getting tan and fake tans? Like, it was, like, when we were in school, like, everyone was having that tan skin. It was all over social media. And just, like, I never yeah. – everyone was going for spray tan. Okay. Like, maybe – I don't think you actually were, but, like, all my – When was this? I don't remember this. In university, probably, like, my second year, I remember. First or second year, everyone was getting spray tans. I knew at least. Oh. Yeah, I remember this. It was like, it was definitely a big craze. Yeah, like, it lasted for like four years. Like spring yeah. was a huge thing for a long time and everyone wanted that beautiful glow. And I remember I tried to get like a Clinique like body glow thing and I put on my legs and I like- Turned orange? 
no, I didn't turn orange. I just, like, I looked at my body. I was like, okay, well, that part looks normal, but the rest of me is so white. Like, I just, you can't do my full body. Like, I'm not a tan person. I, I have really, really pale skin. Like, yeah. I don't look yeah. tan. Like, it just same. And I used to be so embarrassed about it. Everyone would be like, even our friends would be like, oh, you're too pale. You look really pale today. I'm like, well, that is who I am. Like, yeah. I am pale. They'd be like, wear more makeup, wear more bronzer. You need to invest in a better bronzer. Leanna, you're not wearing enough bronzer. Mm. And I'm like, well, I am pale. So my mm-hmm. skin's going to look pale even with makeup on. I'm not going to try to make myself look like a different shade because that's not how I am. And that's always been a big thing for me, too, is just, like, skin tone. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, too, is, like, I feel like there's been a really big um, capitalization on the body positivity movement. So it's, like, when it comes to makeup, um, when it comes to skincare, when it comes to weight, it's like these brands have been like, oh, excellent. The buzzword is body positivity. So we are going to put these people in our campaign, but we're still going to not make sizes past a size 16. Yeah. And it's like, you can't say that you're going to be a body positive brand and not include, you know, black fat women in your campaigns and only have women that are white and average size and be like, but look, they're being brave. They're coming up and they're not super skinny. It's like, no, like a, you have to include people that started the conversation, which is, which are the black fat women, bring them in, have white fat women and women that are above a size 14 women that are, you know, much higher and like and and include skinny women and you know mid-sized women but I think it's it's like these companies capitalize on the fact that they're like we're gonna do a body positive campaign but they don't take the time to actually do the research and to make sure that they're being inclusive to everyone yeah it's super interesting and it's like sort of a fine line with that too it's like you have to make sure your brand is actually doing it with integrity rather than okay, we want to have one black fat woman in our campaign. Yes. We want to have one like Asian American woman. We check off all those like boxes um, and then we're good. It's like, you might look good on the outside to some people that aren't critical, don't go into the critical eye. But at the end of the day, like you shouldn't just be including people to look a certain way. It should be done in an intentional way. Right. Black indigenous people of color aren't a monolith. You can't just include one and then be like, job done. It's yeah. like- how about in the hot, how about the person who, how about you make the vice president someone who is BIPOC? Like, why don't we put people behind uh, the marketing campaigns? You know, that's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So before we get into the rest of our topics that we have um, to discuss today on body image, we're going to have a two-part episode for this because we don't want to make everyone listen for two and a half hours. (laughs) And we can't stop talking about this. And then we're probably going to go off topic again because this is really interesting and I'm loving it. And so we end up part one. So yeah, stay tuned. We'll be putting up part two um, of the body image episode of the next couple weeks. And we're hoping that you can listen when that's up um, and we'll continue the conversation then. And for now, we'll say thanks to Hannah for joining, but she'll be with us on part two as well. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.